Welcome to the Appliance Educator Podcast, presented by Z-Line Kitchen and Bath, attainable luxury designed in Lake Tahoe. On today's episode of the podcast, we've got three mighty magical minds behind the test kitchen curiosities of the Epicurean Unicorn. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Appliance Educator Podcast. We've got a magical, mystical guest today lined up with the folks from the Epicurean Unicorn. So as always, it's your host, Drew, here, and I'm joined with my partner in crime, Nick. Hey, what's up, everybody? And we are joined today by uh, Brandon, or Brady. Hello, how are you, gentlemen? <laughs> and uh, Connie. Hey. And Amanda from the Epicurean Unicorn. Oh. So thank you guys so much for joining us today. And this is a this is a great opportunity to talk to you guys because there's so much awesome knowledge shared about uh, just cooking, baking, appliances, and planning the kitchen shared from your podcast. So we're just excited to have a chance to pick your brains today on what our audience should know about kind of elevating their personal culinary game at home. Um, so to dive right into it too, um, you guys have the unicorn as a logo and a mascot. Um, for people who love food and want to be playful, can you tell us more like about what the brand of Epicurean Unicorn is? Braden, you take this one. You're a better spokesperson, at least for the, uh, you know, the official taglines and all that good stuff. Uh, <laughs> uh, and I was just going to throw it to Connie because Connie named the show, actually. Well, okay. Since you're saying it that way. Um, so we do, yes, yeah, so we have the, the unicorn as the logo for our podcast, but that's also because the unicorn is the logo for our company, Ferretto's. And you can find it on the website. Um, unicorn represents like purity and just basically steadfastness, all that good stuff. Everything that we want to bring with our products, integrity. And, um, and of course it's magical and it's fun. So I like to think that was actually the main reason that the company founders chose that as our mascot and our symbol. <laughs> what I'll add there as Connie said, since I am the spokesperson apparently for the official stance, we actually just rebranded approximately five days ago. And our tagline is now food innovation for good. And when most people think of unicorns, they think of, as Connie said, purity, they think of good, they think of innocence. And that's how we would like to be seen, whether it's the silly little show we do, or whether it's as a company, as a group of people who are going to come in and they're going to do good. We're going to create something that's better than it was before we got there. Yeah, I don't think I've ever heard of a evil unicorn, but that might be a <laughs> route to go too. <laughs> well, and I, I just love that the message is really something driven from something much deeper and personal with the with the vision of like both the quality and the integrity of the brand. What what brought you three unicorns together to kind of be here today and create the Epicurean unicorn? What's kind of your background? I can start on that. So my background is originally, I actually thought that I would be involved in project management and finance. That's what I originally thought I would go to school for. I ended up falling into the culinary arts and I became a pastry chef chocolatier with some baking on the side. Ended up 12 years ago, getting a job at Parados working in the R&D department, which I still am in today. I've just now moved into my fourth role where I manage six of our innovation centers throughout the country. And what that means is I've been lucky enough to build our flagship innovation center, which is a 40,000 square foot building in Pensacola, New Jersey. Amanda actually just finished getting our newest innovation center in Issaquah, Washington up and running. And that's a 10,000 square foot facility. And her and the team up there did a fantastic job. 
And the way that the three of us specifically came together in this way, and again, our silly little show, is when the pandemic hit, you've probably heard this before, we decided, well, we can't see our customers in person right now. We don't know for how long that's going to be. What are we going to do to still engage with them, educate them, and be able to interact with them? And being an avid fan of podcasts, I raised my hand and I said, why don't we just throw our hat in the ring and why don't we try this? And I kicking and screaming, dragged Amanda along. And then after I had convinced her it was a good idea, we jointly went and we grabbed Connie and we brought her along. And since about June, July of 2020, we've done this every week just to, again, try to educate people and give them knowledge that maybe they didn't have before that. And as always, I've probably said too much. I'll throw it to Amanda and Connie to talk a little bit about their backgrounds. Um, um, my background is also as a pastry chef, been baking for about 25 years, uh, everything from resorts to fine dining kitchens, uh, chocolate rooms, bread, uh, all of the above. It's just my passions, what I love. I've been with Parados, I think, about three years now. Um, and as Braden mentioned, we just opened our uh, newest innovation center here in Issaquah, Washington. So that's been a really fun project and we have a great team here but I do miss traveling and seeing everybody on the East coast. So this podcast is, is a fun way to still be connected and talk about food and, you know, not just be stuck at home talking to others about not food. And um, I'm kind of the, I guess, outlier here. They decided to take me under their wing. Thanks guys. But um, I have a background in food science, which is very much a real degree, even though it doesn't sound like it. Um, so more coming from a technical standpoint on my end. And I actually started, never thought that I would get a job where I get to work with baked goods and then eat them uh, because you have to taste your experiments to make sure they're good all day. So I went, I finished school, didn't realize this job existed, actually started at a meat factory um, as a quality control inspector, which was kind of a different world. Definitely. Uh, insane. Yeah, definitely. I'm going to say it's different and then leave it at that, I think. Um, <laughs> and then the Parados job came around, started in quality control there, and then was able to move into research and development, which is basically experimenting with and eating your food all day. And it's absolutely fantastic. And um, getting into Epicurean Unicorn, I think I was originally brought in for some quirky artwork. And then it turned into, hey, why don't you just provide some comic relief for the show? And also, like, maybe chime in sometimes. So thanks, guys. I feel validated when I, uh, when I go on the podcast. Every squad <laughs> a wild card. So that's... Yeah. Bring <laughs> the comic relief. It's fun. Exactly. Wild card. Yeah, exactly. Um, but I, I'll say I really appreciate that. It sounds like Parados really has invested in having like a practical perspective and development of their product and, and what they're bringing to their customers with their brand, you know, with, with having culinary expertise and even the science to back it up. Leading to that, I mean, it sounds like with the development centers, you guys get to be really hands-on and kind of guiding what is going to be the best, you know, uh, offering that Parados can bring to the customers. What, what do you guys, what's, what's like your passion product? What's the thing that you'd love the most and having the involvement and you would want people to know, Hey, there's this great product out here. That's going to elevate your home kitchen game. You guys want to take that from the artsy side and the, the we all have some different answers. Yeah, um, then I want to hear them. Yeah, please. <laughs> so I would say for the plant-based mixes, I know that's a really popular uh, kind of conversation point for a lot of people, plant-based plant forward. Um, I think we have some really good mixes, especially the brownie. And for somebody who is not vegan at all, a big meat eater, but 
I have done a lot of vegan baking, gluten-free baking, and I know how complicated it can be to get the right mixes, how expensive the ingredients are. Uh, so to have like an all-in-one mix, I think Prado did a really good job with it and I've been enjoying um, creating new items with it. I'll lead by saying, while some of our products have started to become available in the consumer market, you know, we do still mainly market to large companies, you know, professional companies. One product, though, that I know consumers have started to be able to get their hands on is our Belkalade chocolate uh, from Belgium. And that's probably my favorite because, again, as Amanda said, we're moving into your plant forward milk chocolates. Sounds silly. It's just using a milk substitute. So generally oat milk, right? Instead of something that's coming from a cow instead of dairy from a cow. And those are really good. I also really like we've been able to reduce sugar in some of our chocolates just by using chicory root, which is very interesting. And as a professional, it's really nice to have a product that still has the flavor you're expecting and not with any type of aftertaste for certain types of sugar alcohols can give you when you see some of those sugar alcohols on the label, I know a lot of consumers who just, they see that, they see that there's something in there like sucralose and they go, oh, this is not going to be for me. You know, I, I know that flavor and I don't like it. Yeah. That Splenda finish on your piece of chocolate. Like that, nothing. Mm -hmm. I spent, I spent years working in uh, marketing at Whole Foods. So I've eaten mm. all kinds of love <laughs> and awful substitutes and plant-based. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> The market for those products is really expanding and really, I would say, in terms of quality, improving. Absolutely. It's, it's amazing now when you see the dairy substitutes that you can get just by going to Whole Foods. Yeah. It's fantastic. We just did last year a full training for our team on plant-based pastry and just the quality of items we could get from Whole Foods in terms of the cream cheese, the butter, all of it made with plant products. It was great. We were making pastries, giving them to the folks at our office, and they had no idea that any of this was vegan. Completely fooled them. How do you how do you replace the egg in a in a pastry um, with plant based? Is that a, I, I don't know. I have no idea. Do you have any answers for me on that? There's yeah. There's a there's a few different ways to do it. Um, what probably the one I use the most is a flaxseed or a chia seed. Um, if you soak them bloom them, um, they'll kind of give a gelatinous texture in water. Um, and the, you can whip those up and they make a great egg substitute. Wow, I would never thought that. That's another one that's becoming a lot more popular too is aquafaba. Mm, yeah. Mm -hmm. Which, you know, is that you get it from when you cook the chickpeas, you have that liquid, you can strain that liquid off, reserve it, and you can actually whip it. Or you can first actually take it and condense it down and then whip it. And in certain applications, that's where you're going to replace the egg. So something like a meringue. Okay. And this is kind of what your day-to-day and R&D in your guys' world is like, is how do we find this gelatinous substitute for an egg or whatever it is? That's day-to-day -day more for Connie, especially with keto. So keto is oh. getting really big yeah. in the bakery world. You love keto breads, right, Connie? Like cloud bread coming. <laughs> cloud bread. Cloud bread. No, we've actually, yeah, no, and expanding on that, um, and this is a cool opportunity for us to talk about the differences in our roles a little bit, but uh, my job from where the technical standpoint, it, we're a little bit more customer driven. So a customer will come to us with a product or with something 
where they need to replace a raw material, you know, now it's due to shortages um, and all that good stuff too. So we will experiment a little bit more based on what we found in the industry, talking to other suppliers, cool novel ingredients, all that good stuff. And it can get to be a little plug and play again and again and again, just experimenting with a bunch of different raw materials to find the right combination. Um, but it's really interesting. It yields some super cool results and kind of going off this keto bread that Brayden mentioned, this is a project that we have in the works. It's been a long time now, maybe more than a year, um, but we actually got it from the point of being this inedible dough that didn't even, I don't even know what to, it looked like a slug when it came out of the oven. And now it actually looks and eats like, like a bread, especially when you toast it up and then throw some bacon and mayo on it. Still keto at that point. Um, so yeah, that, that is definitely more my job when it comes to the substitution and the finding novel solutions, but Brayden and Amanda have the really cool creative side of it. So maybe you guys can get a little bit into that and how it differs. A lot of it is still customer driven where customers come to us and they say, this is a market trend we're seeing and we've done a gap analysis and we've identified this as being an area where we could add a product or it could be a line extension where they have downtime. So there's capacity on one of their lines and we can then create a finished good. So we would call it a finished good. It's a consumer item, a cake, a cupcake, a donut, a cookie, whatever that may be that will fit into that downtime or that trend where they need to fill in a gap in their product line. I think that's really interesting just from my anecdote, anecdotal experience with like, uh, you know, vegan and non-dairy uh, pastry, especially because some of the complexity, you know, is in flavor, but a lot of it has to do with like texture. You know, when we're talking about pastry crumb and the amount of air and the density of something, but also the level of moisture. And then so much of the, I think what's intriguing about the science is seeing like what is applied to achieve what is effectively going to be what we would consider traditional pastry with something like applesauce or banana or avocado or all these different things. Um, what, what is the process like of sort of the sort of, I guess the application and chemical science to achieve what is effectively that flaky, lovely bread or dessert with not what you would generally use to achieve that. Someone looks excited to say it. <laughs> I'm very excited. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So this is total nerd central. Um, but what we do all day and actually Sorry guys for stealing the thunder a little bit, but I love it because in bakery too, you're absolutely right. It is so texture is a huge player, especially when it comes to freshness perception and all that good stuff, be it in a cake or in a bread and all that. Um, and especially when it comes to clean label now, yes, there's all kinds of novel ingredients out there, but enzymes are huge when it comes to clean label and texture manipulation. Um, so really in my world, it's a lot of just minute amounts of, you know, maybe an amylase, which breaks down sugars. So that will actually keep your bread fresh longer because it's breaking down starches that keep the water from interacting with your tongue over time or using a protease, which breaks down gluten and actually turns a bread from being chewy into being what we consider short and that more melts in your mouth texture and all that good stuff. So yeah, that's a huge area of interest to me, but enzymes for sure are really, really neat when it comes to clean label texture manipulation, freshness extension, and all that good stuff. Even taste too, like creating sugars in breads with certain enzymes. Um, and I'll stop the nerd 
tangent there for a little bit. <laughs> That's a better answer than I was going to give. My answer is going to be trial and error, right, Amanda? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, that too. <laughs> we try it until it works. I was just going to try to make it pretty. <laughs> all, all of those come together, though, to create the perfect product. Nice. Yeah, all, all good answers. Because some of that lost me of I was like trying to remember back to uh, high school science because that <laughs> science was not a standard of like, do, do I remember what an enzyme actually means? <laughs> no, no, yeah, I'm sorry. Oh no, no, gosh. no. I, I think that's incredibly enlightening because I think I think people overlook that sometimes in in uh, just in, in pastry in general of how much is actually chemistry. It, it is an involved science and it is then perfecting a process and the components to achieve a desired result and refining that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's, you know, where culinary can often be thought of as art, but they, you know, bakery is very much a science and, and it's, it's really fascinating. So to kind of, kind of pivot into the thrust of, of what we do for the appliance educator, you know, everybody's at home, especially over the pandemic, everybody took a crack at making bread. I'll put my own mom on blast. She got a KitchenAid and she got into aquafaba. Some of those, <laughs> oh. some of those cookies are coming out like rocks. Some are good, <laughs> you know, because my, my, my mom's a retired yoga instructor. So if it's a chia or a flax seed, or she can replace some ingredient she perceives as unhealthy with something else, she's going to try it. So I've eaten a lot of interesting pastry over the last two years as she's gone into her uh, healthful pastry process. <laughs> but kind of what I, I want to know, you know, especially for our audience at home, you know, because you guys are bringing some definite expertise that I or Nick do not possess on the cast. What do you guys see as the right tools for someone who's going to want to approach this in their kitchen at home? I mean, because, you know, everyone in their mom now, too, is like, I got to buy a KitchenAid. I've seen mixed results on how people are able to utilize that, that tool, some to a sophisticated degree, some much lesser. So Just what do you guys recommend? Kitchen counter display at some point. You know, it's a great <laughs> I props to KitchenAid for, for the product they make, but I would just love to know for you guys, you know, setting up a home kitchen. I want to, I want to do my own trial and error and try some of these alternative ingredients. What do you guys, what do you guys recommend that someone has at their disposal? The first thing you should buy is a digital scale and throw away your measuring cups. Mm -hmm. Amen to that. And yep, that's yep. the precision of, of how much of an ingredient you're including. Absolutely. Yeah. Purely for the fact that we like to say, you know, depending on how angry you are one day, someone's going to scoop a nice, like, whatever gram cup of flour, whereas someone who's really angry is going to scoop <laughs> one that's 1.5 times heavier. So yep, scales all the way. <laughs> I'm going to backtrack for just a second and I'll actually, if I can give some advice to your mom for a minute, Please. what we tell our customers like when they say we'd like to make a healthier pastry is we say, great, we can help you with that. Okay. It's four ounces, make it two ounces. It has less calories now. You're welcome. <laughs> so tell your mom, say, you know, mom, these are great. I love them. I really like whatever that pastry was you used to make. Maybe just make it a little smaller for me. I, I could go for that. You know, yeah. she, she's really one of those, uh, to her, a recipe is a, a starting point, uh, <laughs> but I, I've, I've been making a lot of personal progress in my own like health goals lately. And so I've just realized that, you know, what's the healthiest cookie is, is eating two of them instead of four. That's, yeah, that's yeah. always going to work out. It's always going to work out. <laughs> I'll follow up though, with what you were saying, everybody's gotten a KitchenAid mixer. Anytime where I'm looking at whether it's at home or whether it's one of the kitchens we're building professionally, we have to have the right mixer. If you're going to be doing any type of baking extensively, 
trying to do this by hand is not a good path to go down. So decide just how hardcore you're going to be and then get the appropriately sized mixer and get one with a good motor on it. And they actually make KitchenAid has mixers. You can go into some restaurant supply stores and buy that are even heavier duty than the ones you can just go down to your local corner shop and buy. And we'll have some models like that around our kitchens, as well as a few professional models that you know you can't get uh, for consumers. But as long as you have that mixer and like you said, you know how to use it, that's going to be probably the best tool because it's great for bread. It's great for pastry. Really, it's the beginning of everything. I'm, I'm trying to think, I mean, Amanda, does a day go by when we don't use the mixers in the kitchens? I mean, for 50% of the day, they're always running. Always running. Yeah. Always running. Yeah. We you have, have to have a good mixer. Running at all times. And, you know, sometimes I'll go steal two from the other side and vice versa. Hey guys, Drew from the Appliance Educator Podcast here, and I just wanted to take a minute out to talk about our amazing sponsor, Z-Line Kitchen and Bath. You've heard the guests and the hosts talk about this amazing brand and all the attainable luxury that they create right here in the heart of Lake Tahoe, USA. From freestanding ranges to ventilation, dishwasher or microwave, to everything you'll need to complete your next bathroom project, Z-Line Kitchen and Bath is bringing luxury into your next project. How do you guys' workstations differ from each other? Because I know Amanda and Brayden, yours is probably somewhat similar, but then Connie, yours got to be a little bit more like a little bit out there more. I'm, I'm picturing like a chemistry set. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's funny too. And you guys can back me up on this. I would say, honestly, um, I am on the bench in the bread lab a lot, just actually making dough, physically putting it through the process. So it more differs depending on whether you're working in the chocolate department or the patisserie department, which is more Amanda and Brayden, um, or the bread department. So even with what I do, which is a little bit more technical, we'll have our scaling room, which is where we combine tiny amounts of enzymes, but we'll put that into a powdered mix and then we'll proceed to run it on uh, the bench in a bakery type setting. Um, yeah, Brayden and Amanda, if you wanna to add to that at all, or if you have differences. Well, my workstation is a desk. Yeah. They, they, they promoted me out of the kitchen because they got tired of me and they gave me an office and told me, go sit in the corner over there. We don't want to <laughs> see you, you in here anymore. Really, yeah, if you talk about professional workstations, you almost have to look at the whole space because on our tables, we generally have a rack next to us. And this is something some people do at home. You, know, you see their knives hanging on the wall, maybe. I'm a big fan of hanging as much as possible on walls having it out where you can see it, where you can access it. I will say nothing to how that looks in terms of home design and decor, because that's not my specialty, but in <laughs> terms of just efficiency, if you're setting up your kitchen, having your most used utensils neatly hanging and even labeled, I'll go as far as labeling things, even in my house, I have a little label maker, having that out so you know exactly what goes where and you can access those high use items quickly, especially if you're in the middle of something and you say, oh no, I forgot. You, you go to reach into a drawer and I know my kids go to put something away and oh God, if I can find it in the drawer when they're done with it. But if it's something that has a little hook and it hangs on it, I know it's always gonna be there. And that's a lot of times what our professional workstations are like. Uh, Amanda in the Innovation Center they just designed has done a great job. Every station has a speed rack where you put sheet trays and on the side is pegboard from Home Depot, right, Amanda? Yeah, I'm. A, I'm agree with Braden. I my, 
I don't have the decorator's eye for sure. So I don't know if it works for a home kitchen. Mine looks very similar to my garage at home, actually, with <laughs> and a rolling toolbox. And oh, that's yeah. just what I find is the best and most efficient. Rolling toolboxes. We have one in every space in Pensacon, where our flagship headquarters is for Parados. We have a rolling toolbox like you would get down at, well, Sears back in the day. Home everywhere. Oh yeah. yeah, those those are the best. If you can fit one at home, it sounds crazy, but they are so best. easy to organize. They're so easy to clean. Because a lot of times at home, I mean, I'm constantly pulling things out of my drawers to try to clean it again, because God knows what my kids are throwing in there. <laughs> and, and something that's so easy to clean is fantastic. You know, I don't want to jump ahead too much, but anything you bring into your kitchen should be easy to clean. Yes. If it's not designed to be easy to clean, think about a different item. I think that's actually an approach that the appliance educator audience can really appreciate to the kitchen because it's very much like constructing the ideal like workspace just as mm -hmm. it were your garage. These are tools as well. And it also yeah. sounds kind of like a practical evolution of the idea of like mise en place is essentially mm -hmm. these tools Absolutely. have a convenient home instead mm -hmm. of mise en place being a step, the environment has provided that for you and you can kind of get, get to it. Exactly. We're really big. Uh, we won't bore your audience with my oh, interest gosh. in Lean Six Here Sigma and 5S. Brayden <laughs> yeah, and I both nerd out on this. I know about the process of Lean, so I respect <laughs> it. Yeah, yeah. Share, share your, your uh, brief idea of, of that. It applies to the kitchen. We'll, we'll try to keep it tight. Yeah, yeah so what, what we're always trying to do with that as it applies to the kitchen is we're trying to go through the step of eliminating waste. That's really what you're trying to do with Lean and, and with 5S. You're trying to eliminate waste. And oftentimes with the actual physical design of the kitchens, whether it's my kitchen at home or a professional one I'm designing, we're looking at how to eliminate unneeded motion. So when I was learning, I was basically taught that you should be able to pivot off of one of your feet and reach everything that you need when you're working. And if you need to take two steps, you might need to stop and rethink the layout of your kitchen. Now that doesn't take into effect or account, I should say, gathering all of your tools. Right, you might have some stuff that's two or three steps away, that's fine. When you're ready to work though, you should have this space set up in such a way that all you need to do is pivot off of one of your feet. You don't wanna get called for traveling, all right? You wanna be a good player here in the game. Don't get called for traveling, pivot off those feet. And that's where we bring in you know, the idea of 5S because it's about eliminating waste. And in this way, it's the waste of unneeded movement or motion. That's, that's great. Yeah. yeah, that's great. And so. I'm a beginner. I'm, I'm listening to this podcast. I've, I've been fantasizing during quarantine about my KitchenAid. What do you, what do you think like for that beginning baker, like where, where should they start? I mean, you guys have some great expertise where, where should someone get a start? I mean, is it just Google your favorite bread recipe and turn the KitchenAid on or <laughs> why mean, not? Yeah, there, I mean, there are definitely some sites that I still will even reference, um, that a little more colloquial, like, uh, Serious Eats, I guess, is a great one because that kind of explains the science and the process and why it's important, why you can leave certain things out and then you can't for others. Um, I guess, is that kind of what you had in mind with that question? Or Yeah, yeah, because yeah, I, I, I think a lot of people want to dive in and I think this is something where it's, it's not too hard to... Hey, I'm going to make my first few purchases online. 
but from that to making some actual progress in dough mm-hmm. and a, an act, something that you would want to have a friend or a family member. Yeah. Eat. For, for me, it's, it's intimidating. I, I I'm very good in the kitchen except for like baking is just mm-hmm. thing I don't have experience with. I didn't do it with like my parents growing up or yeah. that. So like rolling out dough and mixing dough, I've always had the sense of like, it has to be precise and exact and this and this, and this, and I just don't cook that way to mm-hmm. begin with. So it's just always something that has kind of intimidated me, but maybe there's something out there that, you know, that tips that you can give to say, Hey, that's not that uh, rudimentary get into there and do it. Well, it's kind of, everything is always intimidating until you know more about it, right? Kind of the education approach really just helps to simplify and help you to understand what you're working with. So I think the educational resources too are really important for people who are maybe hesitant when it comes to that. Um, Bakerpedia.com is a really great resource. And that just explains the functionality of especially ingredients. So if you see a recipe and it looks super different in some ways, and there are some similarities, if you just go to Bakerpedia, you type in the ingredient that you're curious about, it'll give a summary of what it's doing and maybe it'll show like, oh, okay, it's okay to leave it out or no, it's very essential at this amount. So I'm not going to play with that. And now I understand mm-hmm. why that's happening and what it's contributing. So I definitely think education and just finding out more about individual components helps to take a lot of the uncertainty away. Um, would you guys yeah. agree with that? Yeah, let's focus on, on exactly what and getting everything precisely right depending on how the recipe is written and, and more understanding why, why you're doing it, um, what the ingredients are doing, why they're doing it, and then what mm-hmm. the steps mm-hmm. are for. So just because it says to mix it for this long, understanding why you're doing that, you can, you can tell if you need to stop for the longer or what could have happened along the way. We always tell people learn techniques, not recipes. Mm-hmm. So understand, as Amanda said, the why, and then I can give anybody on my team a list of ingredients and they probably know five, six, seven different ways to put those ingredients together to make five, six, or seven different items at the end because they know the techniques, right? And another reason you want to know the technique instead of necessarily the recipe is you'll see recipes, they'll say, set the oven to this, or like Amanda said, mix for this long. Your equipment is always going to be different wherever you go. Now at home, it's a little different, right? You have the same oven, you learn it, you have the same mixer, you learn it. For us though, we travel around and everything is different. So we can't just blatantly follow a recipe or I should say blindly follow a recipe that says bake for this long at this temperature because every oven we touch bakes a little differently. And even your home oven, it's going to bake differently over time. So earlier we talked about what should you have in your home kitchen? Amanda said a scale, definitely get a digital scale, then buy an oven thermometer. Yes. Put it in your oven. If you haven't done that yet, Shame, shame, pause this, run out, get an oven thermometer, come home and turn this back on. Although you could also listen to it in your car or get it online. Either way, get an oven thermometer. <laughs> what I'll say in terms of kind of where should they jump in for the, the finished goods? Yeah, pick something you love and just start making it and, and learn that process. If you're really serious though, get a professional textbook. They are not really that expensive, relatively speaking, and don't be afraid of them. The ones that are well-written are really going to walk you through step-by-step because they're designed for people going to school who don't necessarily have a background in this. I would say there's a book called Professional Baking, which is very good. 
The Culinary Institute of America puts out a beginning book on baking. That's a very good one. If you're interested in more old school books, there's one called The Professional Pastry Chef by Bo Freiberg. That's a very good one that has a lot more old school recipes, really traditional European recipes. There are a lot of good recipes. And there's a publisher, actually, Wiley. If you just check out their website, they publish most of these professional books. And if you have you know, the right appliances in the kitchen, you get the good ingredients, and you just follow these recipes in the books, the recipes will teach you the techniques. And over time, you'll learn those techniques, and you'll feel very comfortable in the kitchen, as long as you also have an oven thermometer and a scale. <laughs> I have one more to ask you guys about too, because we actually had a barbecue guest share this with us recently. And it really uh, turned on a light bulb for me is he recommended having like a journal and essentially charting like the weather, the temperature, you know, all these factors when you're trying to master a recipe. Mm -hmm. as, and it, it seems kind of the direction you're heading here too, of like pick a recipe, work with it, master it. So you kind of learn some technique and understanding do you have any insight on kind of like a baker's journal that someone should start out with if they're really committed to actually making good bread or, or I'm, <laughs> I'm sorry. Okay. All right. Oh. It's not actually, well, the baker's journal, maybe uh, Brayden and Amanda, if you actually have a physical source, uh, but I would say that is a brilliant idea. Just charting down what's happening in your environment, because at least for R and D, when we first come into the position, we'll go through a three-month period called an RAP period where we experiment with recipe, additives, and process. And it's just noting everything that's happening around us and then changing something. Okay, if it's you know 80 degrees in the proof box when you proof your croissants, what's happening as opposed to 100 degrees? Oh my gosh, the butter starts melting at 100 degrees. Okay, so that's good to know. Write it down, can't do it again this will happen, but it might be okay for bread. Um, so that, that home journaling of your own, not just relying on something that someone else has written, I think is very important for learning and retaining information when it comes to getting more comfortable in the field. Uh, so sorry, maybe not a direct answer, but Brayden or Amanda, if you can recommend an actual journal to go to for that. A blank notebook, really, <laughs> at the end of the day. I use know, a lab yeah. book. It's just great <laughs> so I can draw and write notes and, yep. and go back to it. And... I, I, yeah, I used an iPad when they still let me in the kitchen before they kicked me out, uh, trying to be a little more sustainable there, Amanda. If we could maybe remember our sustainability goals. Right. I think you remember my tech skills, a reminder of this morning. So it's a, th it's a thumbs up on the Baker's Journal, then. We're, we're here. Yeah. To that, like, yep, yep. Two thumbs up. Excellent. 110%. And, what am and I doing? With that, I mean, is there, because I guess I have like a totally avant-garde question. It's one you guys aren't even prepared for, but it's one that comes to mind. You're talking, you know, with your uh, background in culinary school, especially for baking. This is purely from anecdotal experience. How buff are your forearms? Because I have, <laughs> I have had people be like, I'm going to make it. And they're like, oh, you have to whip this by hand. For example, uh, Sabayon. And great. They're doing it. And they're like, no, you need to step in here and do this. And I'm like, I, I am clearly not even in shape enough to help you assist. With recipe. <laughs> so I, I guess that is kind of going to, you know, we talked a lot about mixers, but like just in how much the technique you mentioned scooping, I mean, things like pressure and the physical ability to produce some of this is some of the refined things that go into what you mentioned as technique. And I guess that's kind of just a segue into asking you guys about like 
sort of conditioning yourself to actually do the process of, of what's your, what's your gym routine? Yeah, exactly. yeah. <laughs> uh, I think Amanda has one. Mine has become non-existent since uh, having two kids. I used to work out twice a day and my forearms are still probably in the best shape because in addition to this, I'm a percussionist. So between this and that, those at least get a little bit of a workout, but otherwise my gym routine is, well, doing what I'm doing now, <laughs> talking to people. <laughs> right now. on the computer <clears throat> being a father yeah. a gym routine too yeah you get that back yeah but amanda how about for you what do you find is a taxing uh, like you know, pre-covid i was a big crossfit nut and I, I found that that really worked well for me um but you know opening a new innovation center with no um uh, like a large elevator. So we're carrying a lot of stuff up and down and out of the warehouse. You really don't need the CrossFit anymore. We've <laughs> together, pulling stuff around, assembling things. I mean, it's, it's kind of CrossFit baking already here. So really save me some monthly dues, which is nice. Yeah. And I think that's the part that flower bag up. Yeah. I, mean, yes. I think you yeah. guys presented a new bags of flour and chocolate. Yeah. It's, it's the same thing. That's going to be the new fit coming out of the quarantine is, is CrossFit baking. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. thinking about starting it in our warehouse, actually. <laughs> I'm not going to hear that, Amanda, since I'm right, responsible right. for these. Didn't yeah. I didn't hear that. I didn't hear that. I think seriously, though, to give a, an important answer, and this we can tie it all back to setting up your kitchen again, whether it's a home kitchen or a professional kitchen, you do need to think about the physical toll that baking or cooking takes on your body. I know a lot of people who have been in the industry 15, 20, 25 years who do start to develop back trouble, leg trouble. You need to make sure that you have a good surface under you. You have to make sure you have the right shoes. I wear shoes at home in my kitchen. If I'm going to be in there for a long period of time, I need to wear supportive shoes because otherwise I find I get leg pain. And it is very important, again, with the way you set the kitchen up to make sure you're not making any odd movements or motions that are kind of, you know, wrenching, turning motions. You want to make sure if you are rolling out dough that you have a clear space, that the counter is the right height. You know, there's, there's a reason there's kind of a standard counter height. If you're lucky enough to be designing your own home kitchen, though, and you are, let's say, somewhat shorter or taller than average, take that into account maybe get some type of adjustable portion to your counter right up and down because it is a big physical toll and you want to make sure that you think about that so that you can do this for a long time whether it's just something you love to do at home or whether it is going to be your profession I don't, I don't know if you guys have noticed that too though it's funny when people from outside of the industry are like oh my gosh you work around all these delicious foods all day how are you so fit or at least you're know, not a hundred a thousand pounds but it's yeah that's because there's a lot of the physically taxing stuff that goes along with that it's not just eating bread yeah, it, yeah. It's <laughs> bread and butter all day yeah yeah even though that sounds like good work if you can get it yeah I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a perk for sure it's a perk yeah, yeah. Well, guys this has been a great wealth of knowledge we we appreciate your time so much i mean i think this is really indicative of what our audience can go find on the epicurean unicorn of just so much expertise and a lot of things i think people even even looking into hey i'm intrigued in baking they they might mm -hmm. not 
be able to find initially. It's not the most like readily available. So we really appreciate this because I think you brought a lot of consideration to, especially optimizing the kitchen space for people who are, you know, we've seen just a cultural shift and to be more interested in, in what they're doing at home. Exactly. Mm -hmm. I want to thank all three of you so much uh, for your time today. And then um, let our audience know where they can find all of your great work. There's one place where you can find the three of us together. And that is the podcast we do, Epicurean Unicorn. It's on all the major podcast platforms. Other than that, you probably don't want to find us because we're kind of nerdy and scary individuals on our own. (laughs) So yeah, just check that out. If you do have any interest in what we're up to, we do all work for the same company, Parados. Like I said, we just did rebrand and we we really believe in uh, food innovation for good. One of the things I, I will share, we're actually opening a bakery school in Pensacola with the public school district there for underprivileged kids to try to teach them baking and pastry and help them move into a career in baking and pastry, which is really fun. And you can, I mean, you can see all about that on Prados.us. And then, yeah, just check out on your favorite podcast app, Epicurean Unicorn. And this year we've promised less of us and more of the guests. So this, mm-hmm. if you listen to this and then listen to us, this will be the most of us you get. So you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> the treasure yeah on the appliance <laughs> podcast you get you get some some pure undistilled abc some amanda yeah connie thank you oh my gosh <laughs> we <laughs> guys how is that thank you drew oh my god that's my gift back yeah, to you for your gift thank you wow so, how long have you been doing this never noticed that <laughs> wow oh my you learn something new every day thanks guys that's what we're all about is education we are educators mm-hmm. <laughs> innovators educators that's what we do thank you guys so much for joining us this has been a ton of fun we'd love to have you guys back in the future too we'll have a bunch of more of uh, weird questions to throw you off your game at that point too so maybe we'll try some bread recipes and say what the hell did i do wrong (laughs) judge our bread i know mine will be terrible and i'm willing to take the shame to have it uh judged for we'll do it we'll do it let's do it yeah we'll definitely and then we'll have appliance questions for you as well next time please I, <laughs> yeah i can talk <laughs> i can talk all about my new ice cream maker we love ice cream oh, oh we gosh. do love ice yeah. cream we do not make yeah. it industrially but on our no. own time. oh at home oh ice cream all, all the time so if you guys have an appliance that you would recommend for that please uh, <laughs> we'll, now's the time we'll get that we'll get, we'll get a review going we'll get, yeah, we, yeah we'll make some recommendations maybe we'll do a little ice cream challenge between the with, between the two oh. we can we can do some Ooh. comparison and some okay sharing i think that'd be a lot of fun yeah awesome. i like that yeah Sounds thank like you very much time. thank you so much <laughs> guys for joining us guys have a great one thanks we'll talk to you later thank you thank, Take care. You. thank you bye bye this has been the appliance educator podcast brought to you by z-line kitchen and bath be sure to like subscribe and follow at appliance educator for more tips and tricks and advice to keep your home running at optimal performance If you have any ideas or topics you'd like to hear on future episodes of the show, leave us a comment. Appliance Educator, signing off.